Hi, folks. This is Margaret. I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of Tonight.com, and this is our very first podcast. Yay! Woohoo! Woo! Yay! We're pretty excited. Uh, we're calling it Late Night Snack, and the idea is that we're sharing the theme of the week, maybe talking to an expert or two, and giving you a few juicy stories to hear. Tonight is not put together uh, without the amazing talents of a bunch of people, uh, including two people who are here on the podcast, uh, Adriana Dufay and Susan Linney. Hey Hi. Guys. Hi, I'm Hi. Adriana. I'm Susan. So every week on Tonight, we have a theme that comes from conversations that we're having with each other, right? Um, or it comes from things we're hearing our friends talk about on Facebook, or like what else? Like uh, sometimes just us, just us talking yeah. while we're working. I mean, sometimes we just take a break. It's almost like water. It's like genuine water cooler stuff, except totally. we're just next to each other in, in the office, you know. So we have a really good bunch of stuff to talk to you about today, including Rebecca Soffer of Modern Loss, which is a site that launched last year, um, about the same time we did, actually. And uh, she and Gabrielle Berkner uh, both started the site, and it's all about loss. It's amazing stories. Really lovely. Right? Yeah. I just absolutely love it every week. And I think even if you haven't experienced great loss, um, you can really appreciate the stories on that site. Um, something that she talks about a lot is is the idea that loss is messy um, and loss uh, really touches all of us um, in different ways. Um, so to that point, actually, what do you guys, when you first, you know, when you first think about the word loss, what comes to mind? Um, well, I, I thought of, I mean, I guess the most significant physical loss I've um, experienced would be the death of my father in 2011. Um, which was, you know, definitely um, a, a very difficult experience. But, but actually, since for tonight, a, a lot of what I do is write about um, recovery and my experiences in recovery from alcoholism, I, I thought about something actually not at all related to physical loss, but the loss of the person I knew myself to be when I was drinking. Um, and, you know, apparently that person, I guess, toward the end wasn't a very nice or fun person to be around, but... You know, there was a period of time when it, it worked for me, and that was someone that was really fun and really laid back and loved to go out, after, work hard and play hard kind of situation. And to have to, to really accept that I could not be that person anymore and be healthy, and if I was that person, I, I, I could die or lose everything I love, was hard. That's a loss of someone that I felt comfortable being, and I didn't know who I was without that. So it was sort of a weird kind of grief in a certain a way like loss of yourself and your identity exactly right? yeah. like a person that I was that I just knew myself to be and felt comfortable as that right. person and when you learn that that person is not what you thought that you know it's kind of almost like losing a best friend sort of right um so oddly that's what I thought of yeah. first well I have to admit um I'm a little embarrassed because I went way shallow. <laughs> um, not surprisingly. I, I actually, the first thing I thought of when I heard the word loss was virginity. Awesome. <laughs> and I thought, would that be a story I could tell? And then I thought quickly, no. <laughs> no. Um, but I, it also just this sort of, for me, loss is, um, I think, probably because I don't have a person who has, um, that I've lost, that has touched me deeply, deeply. Um, in a way that's felt scary. I, um, I, I do think, 
I do tend to think of loss as a little more esoteric, loss of innocence, um, loss of personality, things like that. Like mm-hmm. you were saying, Susan, when I think of loss in my life, I think of, you know, dreams I've had since childhood that I've given up on or, you know, moments in my life that I'll never get back or people mm-hmm. um, that I used to be friends with that I'm not friends with anymore, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, oddly, this might sound weird, but, you know, I think the the loss of my cat actually was a really um, powerful loss for me. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing saying it, but it sort of feels cheesy. But, you know, I think... Yeah, but it's true. Mm-hmm. We all yes. remember our first pets yeah. leaving us. It's, yeah. It's a terrible feeling. And when you're an adult and you've had an adult relationship with your pet, it's a, it's a different thing. Uh, yeah. And, I mean, I think he, Moby, was his name. He was a giant white cat, Mo, like Moby Dick, big white whale. And... Um, he, not everybody liked Moby. He actually bit a few people. Yeah, <laughs> I have to say he wasn't that likable. <laughs> yes, you, you remember Moby. <laughs> but, you know, he uh, he saw me through my late 20s, 30s, and then into, I think I was 40 when we had to, you know, put him down because he was very sick. Um, but, you know, he saw me through many milestones, and he was there for me, and un, you know, unquestionably. Uh, so it's, you know, I think it's, it's sort of a loss um, – little bit of parts of yourself and somebody who's witnessed been a witness to all those things yeah who you are in that time and that's Mm -hmm. an important time that's a very self-defining time right your 20s and your 30s you know working in the city or whatever you're doing right we have a story this week from Joni Jones about that's we needed a little levity right Mm -hmm. this issue so it's about the loss of an iPhone it's a hilarious little poem um you know and I I think loss can be um another piece we have from Stacey Morrison um, she had extreme loss in her life, and she, she actually wisely says that loss is not hierarchical. Uh, it doesn't, one person's loss is not greater than somebody else's. You know, we all experience it in very different ways. Sometimes loss is about the things that we leave behind that are gone forever, but it can also be about the things we choose to keep. In one of this week's stories, Wendy Goldman Shearer talks about her divorce and the mother-in-law she built a friendship with. Here's Adriana reading an excerpt of Wendy's story, The In-Laws, The Collateral Damage of Divorce. I married young, well, youngish. I should have listened to my grandmother, who didn't live to see the wedding, when she told me it was a mistake, I should have listened to the voices in my head. I should have called it off before we stood under the chuppah, and definitely should have called it off before the mauve-flowered brunch, but I didn't. It was heartbreak to realize my husband had no interest in being married to me after two years. Sure, there were signs, big, fat, neon signs, and when he basically stopped talking to me, I truly got the hint. He was a horrific match for me. We had nothing in common, it seemed. And that day, it was Rosh Hashanah, when he told me at the park that he hated my father and that I was just like him, it stung, sharply. So when he asked for a divorce, I was all in. But at that moment, I didn't think about how hard it would be to tell my parents who paid for my mauve wedding. And I didn't consider what else there was to lose like my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law was a lovely and sensitive woman 
Her smile was easy and comforting. She was patient and sweet, and she loved me. She and I talked. We really talked. She told me about her life choices and how she respected my strength and wished she'd held on to hers. She was a woman who made choices for her family, but saw a freer life through me. Then, her son and I divorced. It was the right decision, but she and I cried on the phone for hours. And we decided that she and I were not getting divorced. We could and would still have a relationship. We talked on the phone every week. She told me about what was going on with her. I told her about me. We discussed current events, food, weather, the exciting, and the mundane. Life went on. Time passed. I moved back into the city. My career was skyrocketing. I bought a house in Canton. I dated. I traveled. I hung out with old friends and with new friends from my job. Those ad agency folks are a blast, I tell you. <laughs> After a while, I met Andrew. After a year or so, he and his cat moved into my cute house in Canton with my cat and me. And then at some point, we got engaged. His family welcomed me with open arms. My family and my world were wonderful and growing. Our engagement was announced in the Jewish Times before I had a chance to tell her. Awkward, right? She called me and sincerely wished me all the happiness in the world. I could tell she meant it. She told me she loved me and respected me. And then she told me it was time to part ways. I needed to move forward with my new life, with my new husband. We cried together. When we hung up, I cried some more, and I suspect that she did too. Not so long after, Andrew and I got married. He got a new job, and three weeks later we moved to Omaha, and shortly thereafter started a family. One day, while my infant was napping, I read in the Jewish Times that she had died, and no one had told me. I wasn't there to pay my respects. I didn't get to say goodbye. I can still remember the depth of my sobs. When I caught my breath, I quickly wrote a note to my ex-family. I walked to the corner to mail it. Several weeks went by, and then a letter arrived from my ex-father-in-law. I expected a pre-printed thank-you-for-your-thoughts note. But instead, I sat and read an emotional outpouring. The man who never really appreciated what I see as my strengths, and frankly never seemed to care for me, took the time to tell me that she never forgot me and thought about me all the time and that she loved me more than I could possibly know. And he told me he was glad I wrote. That family is a million miles away in my head, though only about 20 miles away in reality. I don't remember the sharp edges of that part of my life. I remember tidbits of conversations and the tomato juice served before dinner. I remember not feeling like I fit in and not feeling like me with everyone except her. So we wanted to talk to Rebecca about what the loss is in her life that inspired her to start Modern Loss with her partner, Gabby. Um, so welcome, Rebecca. 
Well, um, first of all, thank you so much for having me on your inaugural podcast. It's very exciting to be here around the table with you ladies. Um, so yeah, I mean, this site basically exists specifically because of the loss that um, I and my friend and co-founder, Gabby Berkner, went through. Um, I was 30 years old when my mom was killed in a car accident. And I was 34 when my dad died. He had a heart attack when he was on a cruise in the Bahamas, which is like, as, as I like to say, pretty amazing for him and kind of sucked for everybody else, particularly me who had to kind of get his body home into the country. Um, you know, so I essentially was orphaned by the time I was 34, which came as a surprise to me because I was such a parent person. I mean, my parents were my best friends. And, you know, I wasn't this like social misfit. I had plenty of friends. It's just that they were really, they were, we were very tight. And, you know, I went through such an awful time, both, you know, logistically and emotionally and existentially, um, not just after my mom died, which was the, the rougher of the two, but after my dad died, which was more existential, like kind of this knowledge that I'm an orphan. Right. And, you know, it, it, and when I typically picture orphans, I picture, you know, like Oliver, Oliver <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like holding out his like pathetic little hands asking for more. But here I was, I was like this person and I worked at the Colbert Report and I have a good sense of humor, but I'm an orphan. And it was really hard for me to find people who got it. Um, yeah, I was 34. Okay. I wasn't like, you know, 11. Going through an intense loss like that is really foundation shaking um i was my my axis was completely tilted i had no idea which end was up i was working my ass off um on a daily basis at a daily tv show which i really really loved um i still think it's the best show on tv yeah. but that said it's not like you know it's not like it was the landscape to go exist in when you know i was in the deepest of grief for my mom's death by car accident it was really tough and when you're that age chances are you are working your ass off day to day uh, and probably night to night at a job so I think that inherently that makes it really challenging I mean people will say to you oh work makes it better because you can focus your energy and your thoughts and compartmentalize but you know what that's that's ridiculous I think that every person's experience is their own and some days it was a blessing to have something to focus on and other days it was the worst thing ever I just really needed to breathe and how did you find comfort during that time how did i find comfort i through a lot of different ways i found comfort um you know i mean to be honest it took me a really long time to find comfort i don't think i found comfort outside of very very um serendipitous occasions you know like having a, a one-off conversation with a friend that was really, really helpful or effective or, you know, having like a mini breakdown on 72nd and Broadway in the height of holiday season and having another friend show up and buy me a huge Christmas tree, which is, you know, really funny because my maiden name is Rosenberg and his last name is Dick Stein. So both like two Jews <laughs> shopping on this like 10 foot tall Christmas tree in an effort for me to decorate it and like feel a little happier. Um, it was really hard to find comfort. I looked, you know, in therapy, I looked in support groups, I looked online, um, I looked to friends and, you know, I was surrounded by this amazing community. I really love my life in New York. I was single at the time. Um, I found comfort through dating a whole bunch of people, but I would say 
say that was short-lived comfort because I just didn't want to be alone. I found comfort in leaving the country every time the Colbert Report would go on hiatus every, you know, couple of months because it's a TV show. And I would just book a ticket to, you know, Turkey or Venezuela or Spain or wherever. And that kept me going because it was something to kind of hang on to. But these were ice floats. <laughs> they weren't like real fundamental comfort providers. They were just like, it was like a packet of sugar, white sugar, (laughs) refined sugar. It it, it went through my system very quickly. Um, So, you know, I would say what really helped me, one of the things that really helped me was, you know, eventually kind of getting my team together, realizing that no one, it wasn't anybody's job to help me. And that seemed super unfair. I mean, it still does. I mean, I'll just be honest, it's very tough to grapple with. Um, Sometimes you wish you could just like offload all of your pain and your loneliness onto somebody else and they could figure out what you need. But that's just not the way the world works. Everybody's really busy. Everybody has, you know, jobs or kids or graduate school or whatever. Um, And I think that what really helped was realizing that the buck kind of stopped with me. It was up to Mm -hmm. me to find a really amazing grief counselor who really had a vested interest in me living a very quality a very quality life. Um, it was up to me to let go of friends who really did not know how to be there for me um, in spite of me trying to tell them what I needed. I didn't really know what I needed, but like, you know, they just were so awkward around me and it, it just made me feel like a pariah. Um, mm-hmm. I found comfort in, you know, then meeting people who really did get it. And those were people who both came out of the woodwork, for example, friends who are now some of my closest friends to this day, who I'd only met once or twice. And they emailed me and called me up and said, Hey, I heard your mom died. Um, you know what? My dad passed away. It's a such and such date. And let me take you out for a drink or let's just go for a walk. That's an interesting point to me. Do you think people who have experienced a similar loss get it better? Or do you think it's a different thing to get it because you've said get it a couple of times mm-hmm. now yeah like um you know the people on your site all have had a loss are mm-hmm. writing about a loss do you feel like everybody gets each other or are there different types of sort of I think support and understanding yeah I think that that's something that only I can answer for myself uh-huh. because I never want to presume that I get what somebody else is going through. And I'm still, I always say, like you guys said at the beginning, that you'll have an expert on the show. I'm an expert in absolutely nothing (laughs) regarding loss, except for having gone through it profoundly time and again, and actually again and again, because I lost a really good friend in um, a helicopter crash when I was in college. She was an Israeli soldier and a really good friend of mine, one of my dearest friends. So I think that I can say I understand if I meet somebody who lost their mom at around a certain age and they were very close to their mom, yeah, there's that kind of like understanding. And when you're with people who you feel like get it, do you feel like you can be more relaxed around them? You can be more yourself around them? Yeah, I do. I I really do. Um, That's not to say that I can't be relaxed around people who haven't had traumatic loss in their lives. Um, And, you know, I think that, as I said, each experience is your own. Um, I could compare myself to 
somebody else who had a loss that was extremely traumatic, like, you know, a murder or a very long protracted illness that resulted in death. I mean, everybody has a different experience, but all you could, all you know, and you were saying this earlier about like when you go through a breakup in seventh grade, it's like the worst thing ever. All you know is your own experience. Right. But that said, I do want to add that there are plenty of people who get it who haven't experienced this. They're called empathic human beings. Mm -hmm. And right. that's, you know, what we're hoping to to do with modern loss in a certain way is is reach out to those that group of people, the people who are empathic and thoughtful and want to be more live a more examined life. Mm. And so when they do meet somebody who has gone through a loss or they have a friend or family member who it happens to or it happens to themselves, they aren't approaching it from a vacuum, from within a vacuum. Mm -hmm. What about, um, so meeting Gabrielle, who's your mm -hmm. partner on mm -hmm. Modern Loss, talk about that a little bit because she's somebody who experienced similar things, right? Yes. You know, I met Gabby not too long after my mom died. Um, maybe six months or a year and we got together with a small group of women who had all lost a parent um, we were brought together by another friend who said look I know somebody who you know Gabby and you know I don't want to speak for her but she went through a very traumatic loss she lost her father and stepmother um, they, they, um, in home in Arizona and she had lost them a few years beforehand and was an only child and I'm an only child and she had a Labradoodle and I didn't know it at the time, but I was a couple years away from getting Labradoodle. So we had all this stuff in common and we had all these like <laughs> similar kind of neuroses and whatnot. And meeting her was just like this breath of fresh air. Like we just got each other's mess, you know? And like, I didn't understand the, the, the minutia of hers, which were, I would think, much more traumatic than mine in some ways. But we just got it. We got that it really sucked on Father's Day. But, you know, also it, it totally sucked going out to brunch and seeing people eating brunch with their parents. It wasn't just like the big milestone days that everybody thought were going to be the right. worst for you. It was just right. kind of like your daily existence and all of these unexpected triggers that would rear their ugly heads when you least expect them it is the sneaky details isn't it mm -hmm. yeah it's the sneaky details that always get you yeah I mean even to this day um you know I almost posted on Facebook <clears throat> sorry last night I had this moment where am I allowed to curse on this podcast yes yeah, sure. okay. <laughs> <laughs> do. I, I had this moment last night where you know I posted um a note that we just completed our first year online for Modern Loss, yes, and I was so proud birthday, of it. Thank Congratulations. you. And it yeah. seemed like a really weird thing to say, like, happy birthday, like a sight about death. But you know what? I think if that's not resilience, I don't know Absolutely. what is. Yeah. But I did have this moment afterwards where I wanted to post on Facebook, and I'm not a huge personal, personal Facebook share. Like, if I'm having the worst day, I don't really share it. But I wanted to just say, like, fuck. It's still really hard without my mom right before Thanksgiving. And I'm really pissed that she's not here. And she hasn't been here for eight years. And it yeah. just slammed into me last night. Yeah. And it slammed into me how unfair it is that my baby is never going to meet her. And yeah. how unfair it is that she'll never get to meet him. And it was a really hard moment. And I don't go about my day-to-day -day existence sucking my thumb and wishing, you know, like crying and wishing she were here. But that's just an example. Like even eight years down the line, it can still bite you in the ass. Do you think um, your, your parents would be proud of you? 
I do, actually. I really do. Um, you know, my mom was a real optimist. She was also very pragmatic. But um, I found this card from her the other day, and I, I'm still at the point where I actually, I actually haven't gone through all of the cards she's written me. There's, it's still in a box. It's been eight years. I mean, talk about you know the wow. long arc of loss. Um, <clears throat> I do that slowly, and I found a card a couple weeks ago, and it was you know after I think I had a breakup. And it was like a really idiotic breakup, by the way. Like I was really <laughs> upset about it. I think it was like 22, and she said, you know, dear Beck, sometimes a glass will break. You know plans will fall apart um you know it was something like you know you won't be able to make rent one month like shit will happen but it's not over you know this mm -hmm. too shall pass and i think that she would be really really proud of me for going through the loss of what essentially was my best friend on the planet and taking that and instead of like using that as my woe is me story for the rest of my life, using that as actually my story of resilience. Mm -hmm.